everybody and welcome to another one in our long-running series of financial well-being podcasts. My name's David Lloyd, uh, writer, broadcaster, actor. I'm here to act as referee and the common man while I field comments and questions from two brilliant financial brains, the first of which is going to introduce himself now, Chris Budd. Good Lord, David. That, that was maybe what we had for breakfast this morning. That was a little enthusiastic. <laughs> uh, my name is Chris Bard. I authored the book called The Financial Wellbeing Book, and I do lots of other stuff like play guitar and lots of that going on in lockdown. Bought a couple of new guitars during lockdown, so I'm not sure it's been a very good, very good uh, financial wellbeing thing for me this lockdown. And the other genius financial brain is Tom Morris. Tell us about yourself, Tomo. Well, I'm not sure about genius, but. Do you know what? I'll take it. Um, I am a chartered financial planner and director at Ovation Finance, which is a financial planning business in Bristol. And I'm also a director over the Initiative for Financial Wellbeing, which is uh, an organisation that uh, had its roots in in this podcast, I would suggest, uh, and now is formed into a 200 plus member led organization all trying to focus on the area of financial well-being and delivering it to their clients which is is fantastic i know about you chris but it's just been so exciting seeing people engage with this and and it's just amazing been quite a summer isn't it yeah yeah because <laughs> we only remarkable. launched it back in january and uh, we've already got 230 members and we've got a conference coming up in may a regional meeting are oh, so much stuff going on um i'm supposed to be spending a day a week and i spend two or three days a week on it and if there's any financial advisors listening who haven't come and joined us yet please do yeah, brilliant well done guys and uh, tom i understand there's been an addition to the morris family there has. I am a father of two children now. Yes, young Bella. Uh, what is she on this recording? So it's, I should really know this. Is it six, almost seven weeks old now? Yeah, it's a whirlwind. But it's quite strange. People will be asking me, how does it feel um, going from one to two? And it's far easier than going from naught to one, I would say. Going from naught to one, you go from not having to be responsible for anything really other than yourself to having to be responsible for this little little thing and then all of a sudden you're already used to that so going to two it's been absolutely fine apart from the the lowered sleep uh yeah it's great yeah I'm really happy I'm I couldn't tell you it's a cliche but I'm an incredibly proud and happy dad brilliant well done uh, Chris you've been up to anything exciting had any more children <laughs> not that I know of um <laughs> actually no I given the lockdown no, I can be absolutely certain of the fact that I haven't had any more children <laughs> I haven't left this house for about nine months uh do you know there's a friend of ours mutual friend of ours David Hannah uh who does the illustrations for my novels and she texted me the other day about uh novel three which I'm I'm just finishing up just to say how are you isn't life dull I thought well, that's a very good way of putting it. But David, we shouldn't go by talking about novels. Uh, we shouldn't let this go by without mention of a certain other addition to your family, your new well, novel. Indeed, indeed, yes. I mean, after after many, many years of writing for TV and saying, I must write a novel one day, and having spent five years on and off writing it, I finally got a novel out. Whoop, whoop. Um, and uh, it's selling very well. It's getting great reviews. I'm really pleased with it. It's called A Most Unwelcome Connection. I'm sure Tammy will stick something in the show notes at the end to tell you how you can buy it. If she doesn't, I'm never doing another podcast. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, no, it's gone really well. And you'll know, Chris, uh, more than certainly more than I do. I mean, the the excitement of, you know, I knew the novel really well. I was a, a very familiar with the characters. I knew the words on, on on a screen. But there was nothing that quite prepared me for that rather magical moment 
of holding a book in my hands that I'd yeah, written yeah. that had, you know, my name on it. And it was all encapsulated in this lovely book smelling book. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So that's that's been great. And I'm already now working on the sequel. So that's Brilliant, brilliant. I, I remember when I had my first box of books arrive at the doorstep and I ordered 50 copies, I think, to sell and give away to friends, what have you. And then when the second book came along, I, I ordered 20 copies because I've still got a few of the first one. And having just done the the uh, order, I've, I've ordered three. <laughs> <laughs> you get a little yeah, bit that's reasonable. I've got a few knocking around, but not many, actually, not many. Anyway, enough about us. We need to move on now to the uh, purpose of today's conversation. Uh, Chris, you better tell us what that is. So we're going to have a chat about uh, the balance between pleasure and purpose. And it comes from a book called Happiness by Design by Paul Dolan. So we're going to talk about some of the ideas that he shares in his book. Brilliant. Look forward to that. But before we do that, we need to move on to the first of our regular features. And that is Beige's Behavioural Biases. We're an old friend of the podcast, behavioural finance expert, Neil Bage, gives us his one-minute introduction to a different behavioural bias that affects how we make decisions about money. And uh, Chris, what is Neil telling us about this week? Uh, today, Neil talks about loss aversion. Loss aversion. Loss aversion is our tendency, our natural desire to prefer avoiding a loss when compared with acquiring an equivalent gain. What this basically means is that we would feel losing £10 more than we would feel gaining £10. So if you're walking down the street and find a £10 note on the floor, brilliant, of course you'd feel happy and chuffed that you've just found money. But equally, if you put your hand in your pocket and realise that you've lost £10, that feeling, the sinking feeling you get in your stomach, that's loss aversion being played out. And it is really powerful if we don't keep it in check or slow down to consider its effects when making decisions. And we could end up very quickly in a place where we're doing something to try and avoid a loss, but actually end up losing something else. So don't let loss aversion take control, making you miss out on new opportunities or new experiences simply based on a fear of losing. We risk things all the time. Just getting out of bed today and getting dressed carries a degree of risk. So don't let your aversion to loss become too dominant in your life. Don't ignore it, but don't let it control you either. Yeah, once again, Neil has nailed it, isn't he? Absolutely nailed it. Yeah, loss aversion is a big one. Uh, I find with conversations with with, with clients, there's, there's no doubt we do feel loss considerably more than we feel any gains. And it's something we have to be really aware of that um, when somebody is trying to manage their finances or life in general, that we try and provide some buffers to these losses to make them feel a bit more comfortable because we will feel them, but some people will feel them more than others. So it's something we definitely need to be aware of that that yeah loss losses or the perception of them can be quite tricky so yeah well well put neil so now let's move on to another one of our regular features i say another one it is the prime feature it is the reason that people tune in to this podcast yes i witter away yes chris gives us his his, his brilliant financial analysis and knowledge but in the end what this is all about is our next feature Titus Tomo. It's when Tom Morris gives us the benefit of his meanness 
when he explains to us how in the financial world or in any world you can save yourself some money. But before we come on to the master himself, Chris, have you got anything for us? I've got one today, David, which is how to get free umbrellas. Never spend any money on an umbrella ever again. What you do is you go to the lost department section of your local railway station and you say, excuse me, I've lost an umbrella. It's small and black and it's extendable. They're bound to have one there and they'll give you a free one. I like that. Yeah, that's brilliant. I'm going to struggle to trump that. <laughs> do your best, Tomo. You can do it. The world is waiting. Oh, goodness me. So uh, I came about this only this morning, actually. Somebody had put it out there that there was this organisation called Olio. That's O-L-I-O. And it's oleox.com in the show notes. But what they do is they link neighbours and the local community up together and you're able to sell or give away um, food that's close to its use by day or food that's surplus. Maybe you're even able to sell some of some cakes that you've made that are no longer required. Uh, the whole idea is, is that reducing food waste, which has been shown to be a huge, uh, has a huge impact on, on the environment, but also enabling people to get access to food at a lower cost. I don't know if it's free or not. Like I said, I only saw it this morning. I'm going to go and investigate it more. Uh, but it seems like a right up our street is saving money, but but also reducing the impact on the environment. Excellent, particularly in these times of, you know, people having to take recourse to food banks and things like that. That sounds like a really positive thing. Yeah, absolutely. So Olio, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to really check it out get get involved. right thanks for that tom right let's move on then to the main event chris why don't you tell us again uh, about our subject for today okay david thank you so there's a recent age concern study uh, of well-being among retired people and it showed or concluded that those who reported the greatest well-being were those who were living a life with meaning uh, now that's a great expression but and what does a life with meaning actually mean, if you'll pardon the expression? Uh, how to find meaning in life is a, is a pretty big question. Monty Python tried to make a film about it, and I'm not <laughs> sure they fully addressed it. Well, I, like most conversations about meaning of life, it, they raised more questions than answers, didn't they? <laughs> but they did it in a very good way. Uh, so so what is meaning? Or you might let's, let's use another word for it, purpose. And well, let's explore the balance of purpose and pleasure. Crucially, then, of course, how we structure our finances to create and keep that balance between purpose and pleasure. And so to do this, I've been rereading a really good book by uh, a guy called Paul Dolan. Uh, it's called Happiness by Design. So if anybody's interested in the ideas in this podcast, I strongly recommend you check out that book. So let's start off with talking about pleasure. There's a difference between what makes us happy and what we pay attention to. There's a difference between how we spend our time and the things that we think will make us happy. And in many ways, the gap between these two things defines our well-being. Right. Hold your horses, Christoph. <laughs> I need to get my head around that statement. So, as I understand it, you're talking about the gap between what actually makes us happy. Presumably, this is the, the know thyself principle that you've talked about for many years and how we spend our time, which is taking our immediate attention. Yeah, exactly. And there's an analogy Paul gives in the early on in his book, which I really like, which is it's like the difference between a movie, a film 
and a photograph. A film is the continuing narrative where a photograph is just one snapshot in time. And we tend to focus on the snapshot, the moment of happiness or well-being or unhappiness or whatever. So to give an example, it's, it's possible to be unhappy in a job while quite happy at that particular moment, the thing that you're doing, which can thereby stop us from taking action. Can you give me an example to illustrate this? I'll jump in here if you don't mind, because I could think of a, a few clients actually that this fits. Um, I'm not going to use a real name here. This is a pseudonym for obvious reasons. Um, but a, a client called Bill, and Bill worked for a company that he didn't like, but he was well paid. He liked his colleagues and he enjoyed the particular job he was doing well enough. So you can see there was this snapshot of enjoying what he does in the day, but wasn't necessarily enjoying the company he worked for. You know, he didn't like his line manager and what the company did. He just didn't really believe in. So every day, Bill would go into work, focused on what he's doing now and actually be happy doing his role. So was wasn't unhappy. However, whenever he went on holiday, he always felt a little bit wasn't exactly excited to go back and do the job. He wasn't fulfilled by it. So I guess what I'm trying to say is his job in in the moment was giving him happiness, but actually wasn't given a huge amount of purpose because the wider aspects of what it involved wasn't making him particularly happy. I suspect you guys, and certainly I can, and I'm sure a lot of listeners can think of times in their lives when they've been in that situation. I can think of a lot of financial advisors, for example, who love the idea of financial well-being, but are in jobs which give them targets to sell products, etc. And they probably enjoy the time with the client, but overall it's not giving them the fulfillment. So Paul's Dolan's first suggestion is that we stop focusing on the snapshots of life, those moments of pleasure, and instead look at how these add together over time. So now let's look at purpose. We talk of financial well-being in terms of living a meaningful life. We use the word purpose a lot. I do anyway. But that word purpose is a big word. It can feel a little overpowering. You know, how do you actually find purpose in your life? It's it's a big issue. Yeah, I think for me, it's about, I mean, I guess I would separate it out. One purpose in my life is to is to earn enough money to live, you know, and that's clearly there as a as a whether you'd call it a, a purpose or a function. But for me, I have a wider purpose, and that is to feel that I'm making a a positive contribution and Chris you and I have over a long period of time you know volunteered for our local cricket club uh, done a lot of work there uh, I just joined the local parish council I've been a I've been a school governor and for me it's about the purpose in my life is about making a wider contribution to my own community uh, and and I guess those are things that I can feel that I, I'm doing something useful when I'm doing it but also retrospectively as I can with the cricket, which I've stepped away from now, I can look back on that and think, yeah, you know, I made a difference. It's something I can look back on with pride. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so there's a longer term thing. And, and I, I often say to people of all the things I've done in life, that cricket section that you and I got going is probably one of the things I'm most proud of, of all the things that I've, I've done. And you've got things like your BAFTA awards uh, for, for in, the, in the award-winning show Made Marion and Merry Men. We, think we, we don't mention that enough, actually, because there will be some of our listeners that, it, uh, that will remember that show and not realise that you were Graham the Guard. So well, it was indeed, and it was it was the best job apart from this one that I ever had. <laughs> Certainly pays better than this one, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a great kids' TV series, late eighties, early nineties. For those that haven't got a clue 
what we're talking about. Yeah. Still, still available on DVD. Um, it is indeed, yes, on, on Blu-ray, DVD, and indeed, it's you can stream it on Amazon Prime. There you go. There you go. So you want to go and well, see what... Well, as I'm being born in the uh, in 1987, I very much enjoyed it, David. At the age, it was meant to be enjoyed. So, thank you. It was <laughs> it was an excellent show. So there you go. You've got you've got the, the longer term purpose of something like that, or there could be just a moment when you showed a kid to bowl leg spin, um, and in that moment, uh, you got pleasure as well. So it's a balance between these two things. I've got. I think I've got an example of this, and it only happened this weekend. I have shown Toby how to ride a bike and he actually got it Yay. you know it, it was just amazing um i think i actually showed you the vi- i've sent you the video chris you you've seen it you know he, he actually does have an extended period of time where i'm not holding on it was amazing and you get i got that great sense of 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 pride and you know happiness with, with that but also a sense of purpose that my role as a father is or as a parent is to teach my child these things so some of my purpose is to teach my children how to do things so that they are uh, they're able to live a, a life where they can cycle a bike <laughs> to school <laughs> or whatever it might be <laughs> i get i just share a quick story about uh, my daughter um ella and she, uh, her right because because it's a big moment of teaching a kid to ride a bike and so i had it all set up that we were going to go to to a certain to, to wells actually to ride a bike and she kept saying it's okay dad because i can already ride a bike and i said ella you, you can't i can dad i can't uh, ella look it's not you don't just get on it you know you need to learn i need to teach you it's a, no but i can do that no, ella, I, I know you think you can sound like nemo's daddy i know you think you can but you can't you know so we get down to wells and then um we put her on the bike and bam off she goes and she comes around in a big circle skids in front of me and says what about that then eh <laughs> and I said, but but I've been learning at school. I just haven't told you. Oh, God, no, take. Well, there's a lesson for us all there that there obviously is. our instinct as parents is we want to inform and educate and guide and lead our children, but sometimes they're best left to their own devices <laughs> yeah, to tie up with it themselves. So there's that's parenting actually gets a specific mention in, in this book, Happy, Happiness by Design, because and I'm, I'm not sure you're going to like this, but there are studies that show that being a parent doesn't actually add to your overall well-being over time. But what it does do is it changes the balance. And I think Tom is going to be able to relate to this. It changes the balance between doing things that are purposeful and things that are pleasurable. I think you could probably vouch for that at the moment, Tom. Uh, yeah, are we saying that I'm definitely in the purposeful uh, zone rather than pleasurable? Yes. Uh, yeah, 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 I can get, I can get that. Yeah, you know, your purpose at the moment is to get up and change a nappy at three in the morning. I mean, that's that's my purpose in life right now. Um, is it pleasurable? I think we all know the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, but Tomo, the pleasure will come later in life when when one of your children or both of them will say, Dad, come on, we're going down the pub and I'm going to buy you a pint. Uh, and, that's... and that's when the pleasure comes. I mean, my son, who I still remember, I can remember teaching him to ride his bike. I can remember changing his nappy and all of those things. But, you know, he's 32 now. He's a man. And, and yet, no, he's still not. Yeah, there you go. I and I get, and I get certainly, you know, a lot of pleasure now from seeing him having turned up into a well-rounded and independent young man. So let's let's look a bit deeper into the know thyself stuff that we always go on about in these podcasts and have done for years. Let's um, look at that pleasure and principle balance, and let's try and illustrate this difference between pleasure and purpose. So, David, 
what would you say are your favourite type of TV programmes or movies? Well, obviously, I'm tempted to say the ones I've been in, but <laughs> <laughs> but that's but actually, I, you know, I love a nice documentary, uh, and you know, I'll take as an example. You look at some of the great documentaries David Attenborough has, has made over recent years. You know, the Blue Planet and all of those things that educate, inform, but also really make you think about you know the state of the planet. So probably something like that is going to give me a huge amount of satisfaction at, at every level. Okay, Tommy, what about you? <laughs> sport sport for me if i've got an opportunity in some spare time certainly over the weekends i just i'll watch whatever live sport there is you know in particular rugby and cricket i can't get enough of it so this illustrates and obviously there's no right or wrong answer to it because it's whatever is unique to you but it demonstrates the difference between whether you do things for pleasure or for purpose um i watched recently a really good film recommend it trial of the chicago seven um, on Netflix. And I'd suggest that's a fairly purposeful type film. It's a, um, a true story. I also love going to see Bristol Rovers. I get great purpose from the fact that I go with my son, even if there isn't always a great pleasure to be had from the actual football. Uh, right. Well, I mean, I, I can share that with you as well, Chris, because uh, I, well, obviously we can't go to the football now, but I remember taking, taking my son to see Bristol City, the other Bristol team, when, when he was a kid and, and, and getting huge amounts of purpose from that and uh, although you know I could argue that the general standard of football over the years made him slightly higher than Rovers the same principle applies is that you're there doing something with your boy and I think that, you know whatever it is who, whoever you're watching whatever your opinion might be of the relative merits of the teams that we support that that essential thing that you do is 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 the great thing. Can I ask a question here those examples of you going to sports events with your with your boys is that purpose or pleasure it's it's a purposeful thing to do no doubt about it whatsoever uh, that of course uh, yeah it, 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 it's doing it for for purpose uh, i guess would you disagree you ask the question uh, i a little bit yeah i'd say that there's an, that that's a pleasure pursuit i think it's both i think it's i think you go there with a purpose your purpose is to go to the football you get pleasure from doing something with your with your child uh, and you get extra pleasure if your team wins, which clearly is something that Chris will be less familiar with than me. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't be able to resist. <laughs> I tried to be fair. I tried to be nice, Chris, and I just couldn't stop myself. As a neutral, he's got a point, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the silly thing is, if you look at the number of games won and lost over the last 10 years between Bristol Rovers and Bristol City, I suspect it's about the same. It's just in different divisions. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to come back at you in the next podcast with that stat, Chris. <laughs> okay. And <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. But presumably, this, this balance that we're talking about between pleasure and purpose is a key to long-term well-being. And I would imagine that, that living a life which is all pleasure and no purpose wouldn't be especially fulfilling. But then I can also imagine that a life which is all purpose and no pleasure wouldn't be much fun after a while. So... Surely it's about finding the right balance for each of us. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be over the long term, not just a, a, that snapshot in time we talked about. So when we look at structuring our finances, when we work, you know, work out our financial plans, we need to work on that know thyself part so that we understand our own balance between purpose, ultimately what the thing, the thing that gets out, us out of bed in the morning, and pleasure. You know, considering how these series of moments will add up to 
to provide us long-term well-being. You know, that's what our financial plan should be reflecting and aiming towards. I heard a really good uh, definition of purpose, actually, a little while ago. Somebody said goals and objectives are what we do during the day, but purpose is what gets us out of bed to do them. Well, that's a really nice way of putting mm. it. Uh, let's give the last word on this to Paul Dolan then from the book. Now, a direct quote from the book. The value of our lives comes from the experiences of pleasure and purpose over our lifetime, not from a judgment we might make in an arbitrarily chosen moment in time. Oh, that's great. Now, given that, I've got a challenge for your two brilliant financial planning brains. So this podcast is all about how we can use money to make us happier and not just wealthier. That's our strap line right now. You're saying that we shouldn't judge happiness by a snapshot in time. Yet you call a client in for a meeting just once a year, as you did with me last week, Tomo, for an annual review. Well, I'm put on the spot here now, aren't I? I better come up with a good answer. Um, I think we have to realise that it is very difficult for somebody to be next to you throughout the whole of the year or, or this whole long snapshot in time. What my job as a financial planner is, is that when we sit down for that once a year, it may be more regular than that for some clients, certainly those that are going through a big transition, is to equip you with the skills to be able to understand these things for yourself. So this is where coaching comes in. So I'd like to think that a lot of our conversations we have, David, are all around really trying to understand what's important to you, looking at all these snapshots added together so we can you know, get this theme about what is important to you, what's your purpose, and ultimately what makes you happy. And then enabling you to take that away and implement it for between when we've seen each other and the next time we see each other. Because unfortunately, I can't be there with you at all times. So I need to equip you with the skills to know, right, what is important to me? And then make sure that you are reminding yourself of that on a regular basis. Which is exactly what you did at our last meeting. You came up with some great solutions and suggestions about, you know, I'm at a stage of my life where I'm moving from working into a more um, retirement-based life. And certainly the advice you gave me was very, very useful. I think it's also fair to say that not everybody will want to or even can afford to see their advisor every quarter or every month. So yeah. so right. seeing an advisor who's going to equip you, I think, uh, you know, make sure you've got one of them. It's also the case, and I hope, David, you'll agree with this, is that we are open to having conversations between our, our, our more organised meetings. So we, we may well have a, a telephone call along the way that you want to sense check some things with me, emails. You know, As long as an advisor is open to having these conversations between meetings, it does enable you to make sure that it's not just the snapshots that are being talked about and the wider things are being discussed and yeah, it's important that we do provide the support, but ultimately having those big meetings a little too often, they can start to become a bit stale if we're not careful. Yeah, I know. I think that's a fair comment. And I think I, obviously you and I have a slightly different relationship, given that we come together for these podcasts quite often. It gives us an opportunity to catch up on small things when we're chatting. But, but I'd certainly I've, those those big meetings are very important because they tend to be a bit more focused. You go, right, these are the issues. We need to sit down and address them. But what I valued about the relationship I had with you and indeed previous advisors that I've had at Ovation is the fact that I do know that, that you're always there, that I can pick up a phone or send you an email. And, and that, for me, is, is an ideal uh, advisor-client relationship. 
Well, we better make sure we continue that then, hadn't we? <laughs> what about those people who don't have a financial advisor? And I, we know that a lot of people who read the financial well-being book to turn to that, if you like, as their financial advice. How, how should they remind themselves of their relationship to their money on a regular basis and keep in touch with their financial well-being? That's a good challenge, David. Um, how to make financial well-being something that you attend to every day, not just at certain moments, and then forget it again. So um, let, let's just remember this is all about the balance between pleasure and purpose. And we need to make sure we take time, I would suggest, each day to remind ourselves of our plan. So we need to create that financial plan in the first place. And actually, thank you for mentioning it. The Financial Wellbeing book will help you to do that. But then just remind yourself every, not necessarily every day about your plan, but remind yourself every day about you, um, there's an old friend of the podcast, Nick Elston, who can be heard, I, I think, um, I'm, I don't wish to be rude to the other guests we've had, but I think it was the best one, best episode we produced, number 55. He was absolutely fantastic. And he shared a great tip recently to a group of financial advisors that Tomo and I are part of called the Next Gen Planners. Um, I'm a bit too old for them, but they still let me in. Tom, I suspect you might be getting a bit old for them at some point. But I'm told it's a mindset, not an age thing. So I hope I hope so. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, definitely. Uh, so, so Nick said on that on that pod on that uh, little commute that we do every morning with a group of people, he said, just make sure that a little bit of each day is allocated for you. Now, I I just that really hit me. I, I'm sure I'm not the only one who finds that I spend so much time every day providing things for other people, whether paid or not paid, whatever. And I just don't get to put aside time for myself. So after hearing that step, I actually wrote which bit of you, sorry, which bit of today is for you on a postcard. And I've pinned it behind my workstation. So I see it every morning. Which bit of today is for you? Excellent. So and if I understand Mr. Dolan correctly, a major source of unhappiness is the way we focus our attention on the wrong things. So this could be, I guess, well, social media is a big thing now, isn't it? You know, we're all very easily subsumed by what we see on social media and we can very quickly get uh, trolled and bullied if we dare to mention something that's not, you know, in the current zeitgeist. And, uh, and that can take us away from the thing that we believe is really, really important. I, I think uh, I, get, I get a bit frustrated, if I'm honest with you, when I, I love my Twitter. And I get a bit frustrated when I hear people say I don't do Twitter because I don't like what I see. It's people being negative, what have you. You literally choose your own feed on Twitter. You choose your followers. So if somebody is putting something in that you don't like, don't follow them. Mute them. Exactly right, Chris. And I've done that. I've, I mean, Twitter is is a. It, let's face it. It's not. It's not the lovely, fluffy place it was ten years or so ago when we both joined it. But it still is, for me, a source of great amusement and entertainment because anybody that goes on my timeline with any degree of negativity or politics, with which I don't agree, I just sling them off. I'm not interested in engaging with the wider world. I just want to engage with people that make me feel good. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and it's, and it's not only getting people that agree with me. I've got lots of people I don't agree with. It's that negativity and unwillingness to, to engage in a conversation. So, yeah, you literally choose your own timeline. Do you mind if I come in with some practical stuff, chaps? As Go on, then. I think some listeners do like to think, well, how can I actually implement this within my financial plan? You mean they don't want to listen to me and David moaning about the world? <laughs> if, if they want to hear you moan about Twitter, etc., they go and watch Social Dilemma on Netflix, an excellent uh, documentary that will give you all the insight you need onto this. So you remember the two grumpy old men on um, on the Muppets? 
This is what I'm looking at right now. That's a bit old. <laughs> um, okay, so look, the point of a financial plan should be to create a clear path to identifiable objectives, i.e., you know, the purpose, the pleasure. What's it all for? So we need to create that clear path. These objectives, which we could call intrinsic motivations, which we've discussed before, are the, this balance between pleasure and purpose and are unique to each individual. So once you've identified your objectives, why not keep an overview of this to hand? Maybe pin it on the wall next to Nick Houston's tip of you know, taking some time for yourself each day. Why don't you pin it on the wall about what are your motivations and objectives? What's important to you? You know, it's the reason why so many of us keep a picture of our family close at times. And we want to be reminded about the things that are important to us. So that if you've got something you're specifically aiming for, I know such as a holiday, why not pin that up on the wall? You know, make your money real to you. You know, without focusing on the amounts, just what your money can actually achieve for you. You know, these objectives that are so important. That being said, when it comes to the actual nitty gritty management of your money, you know, I recommend that you look at it less often than that. You know, it's important to look at these objectives every day, but looking at your money should be done a little less often. Otherwise, you can get really wrapped up and it's not going to be great for your, your well-being. You know, a good example is don't look at your investments every day. Watching whether the stock market's gone up or down, it's no good for your well-being. And, you know, it's going to give you false feelings anyway. Remember, investments is a long-term thing. Also, automation is your friend. So set up direct debit savings towards these things that are important to you. It enables you to have mental space to focus on the things that are important to you. And also, you know that action's been taken. Also, if you're in retirement, make sure your income is automated. So you're not constantly worrying about action being taken. And finally, if we actually think about our spending, do review it every couple of months. You know, make sure it's aligned to that purpose and pleasure that we discussed. And this could be straightforward these days. There are many apps now where you can link your bank account and you're able to get a good breakdown of where your money's going. I know, for example, clients at Ovation, we provide them with a portal and they can link their bank account in there and they're able to do budgeting very easily, click of a button. You know, every couple of months they can see, okay, that's what's coming in, that's what's going out. Is it actually being spent on things that provide pleasure or being spent on things that provide purpose? If the answer is no, then we need to reassess it. If the answer is yes, tick that box and carry on enjoying your life. Great advice, Tom. In fact, you mentioned that portal at our meeting last week and you still haven't sent me the link to set it up. So I'm just reminding you about that. Um, what, a, what, a, what a terrific advisor I really am. You know, it's all, well, all, all the truth is coming out now, isn't it? You had, you've had other things on your mind, Tom, so that's fine. Um, so what's the name of that book again, Chris? It's called Happiness by Design by Paul Dolan. I stress that the points about the pleasure and purpose balance that we've been talking about, that's just in the first chapter. There's loads of great stuff in the rest of the book. So it's definitely one that we recommend. Well, I shall go away and read it. So uh, thanks very much for that, guys. A really interesting chat today, I thought. Uh, I hope you've all enjoyed it listening at home or in the car or wherever you've been listening to us waffling away. And I hope that you will join us again very soon next time we come together for another one of our financial well-being podcasts. If you want to be notified of upcoming podcasts, make sure you click the subscribe button.
For more information on the topics discussed in today's podcast and to purchase a copy of the Financial Wellbeing book, please visit www.financialwell-being.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on financial well-being. You can send us an email at contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at FinWellBeing. Chris is Ovation Chris, and David is at Dave underscore Backwell. This has been an Ovation Finance production. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellbeing Podcast. More interesting than you might think. Thank you.